Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And Kara, I am no longer an Olympic hopeful. (laughs) In the trials for synchronized swimming, they did a mandatory drug test, and they came back, and they said that they found some urine in my THC. Oh, my God. And I guess urine is a banned substance. (laughs) Get it? Found urine in my THC? I got the whole situation. What do you think of that? That's always something else, huh? I think she will play an important role, not only in athletics, but in this ridiculous standard that includes THC as a performance-enhancing drug, which it is not. It's a life-enhancing drug, I'm convinced. I think it can help you sleep better. I think there's real utility in THC. But uh, I think she'll go – I think she's going to pay a price, but I think they're going to revisit some of these rules. Yeah, that would be good. That's a shame, though. Big athlete. Big athlete. It is a shame. And then, you know, there's all kinds of things going around the Olympics. There's political things and people protesting and people protesting against the protests. And it feels like it's going to be a bit of a mess, I have to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're not going, in that. In other words. But listen, we're going to do a fresh new thing. I mean, obviously, today I would talk about China and Didi and all kinds of things that are going on, which we should talk about at another at another date. But, but I think today we're going to do something that's new and fresh, which is uh, it's the end of the second quarter. And we're going to kick off something with a little different today, our quarterly review series. We are going to hold ourselves accountable the way we call we hold other people accountable. So like any good business, it's good to take stock of how well you've done so far and forecast what the future might look like. So going forward, every quarter, we're going to do a roundup of the biggest wins and fails, see how well we did with our predictions and also make some new ones. And then some of our friends of Pivot will give us their takes on what's coming in Q3 and beyond. All right, let's kick off to start with a look at the biggest topics and issues of 2021 so far, and let's declare some wins and fails. First off, Scott, the biggest topic of the entire year so far has mm-hmm. obviously been coronavirus recovery. The coronavirus has changed life as we know it across America. The government's strategy was to try to contain the virus. These are scenes from the world living with coronavirus. We've talked about it a mm-hmm. ton and a half over the last year and a lot in the last six months. What do you think the major wins and fails have been there? I think the biggest win has been the vaccines. I right. think vaccines are the most wonderful product ever invented in humanity that represent global cooperation and science and truth. Uh, I think the most disappointing thing is that, and hopefully, I think America's comorbidities, our arrogance, our politicization of things that we should pull together on, 
and having what was supposed to be the most innovative, uh, wealthiest, tech-enabled, the majority of pharmaceutical companies are here, the most robust, you know, we spend more money on healthcare than anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. You'd like to think the most robust, responsive government in the world that can defend the shores and, you know, 5% of the population and 20% of the infection. So, how we responded to this, yeah. and you can't just blame the government, but how we responded as a people. Yeah. Mask, uh, the mask. There's just no getting around yeah. it. We we botched this terribly. Now, having said that, American firms with a global cooperation of uh, German firms and, and Turkish immigrants who immigrated to Germany, I know you know mm -hmm. those folks, that these, these vaccines developed in record time are just an incredible I don't want to call them a gift, an incredible achievement of humanity. What are your thoughts? You know what? I'm going to be pro-internet again. The internet worked. Look, the internet helped us in terms of work and you think it worked. worked. Delivery. I mean, I think, you know, everything that we needed hmm. to get through the pandemic was provided, unfortunately, by these internet companies, which did their job. Like, in terms of that, they, of course, also gained their power, yeah. gained even more power over lots of industries, and it will continue mm -hmm. to do so. Um, and repercussions going forward in commercial real estate, everywhere, every, everywhere you go, restaurants, retailers, um, you know, communications, meetings, business travel, everything. And so, I think the internet worked. Mm -hmm. It didn't break down. Now, there's obviously these ransomware attacks hmm. and all kinds of cybersecurity issues that are ongoing, and just recently this week have been has been in the news a lot. But, you know, it didn't break down, and it got us through this thing, whether you, people had to stay home. And I think it was without it would have been really a much different situation. How do you, how, do, how would you do that without? Of course, people have been through pandemics before without the internet, but it certainly helped. The only place it didn't help, which is a fail, is education. Continues to be either it just doesn't work mm -hmm. for younger yeah. people, maybe works for college students. Mm -hmm. it, it, it did not work for people under, you know, high school level. It just didn't. It was not, it put into sharp relief how badly our educational system serves uh, the least among us and also now the most among us. And I, except for people who could pay for their stupid pods mm -hmm. or whatever the heck people did. Um, and, you know, some private schools that were up and running way before public schools and things like that. Um, so anyway, it's that to me, the internet was a win and the fail was the digital education and tele teleeducation. But the other things I think pretty impressed in where it's going to go. That's what I would say. That's a really interesting point. It's as if these major internet companies were invented for a pandemic. And had we not had a robust e-commerce and home delivery and ability to consume data and re work remotely, things would have been much worse. The second order effect I would point out there is that the ascent of these companies, especially their share yeah. price, which now constitute a quarter of all of the S&P 500, resulted, in my view, uh, a hampering or diluting our response because I think the people who have a disproportionate amount of control over our government and its response, the shareholder class, 90% yeah. of all equity and real estate values owned by 1%, quite frankly, were living their best lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it dampened our response. If Amazon and Google stock had been off 40 and 60% respectively versus up 40 and 60%, I think we would have seen a more robust response. Yeah, true, true. I would agree. I would say that uh, their growing power and money is disturbing. That's, of course, the fail of the win, if that makes sense. Uh, moving on. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. Six months into the Biden administration, what's been the biggest win and yep. the biggest fail so far? What do you think? Uh, so I wasn't a fan of Biden. I, I I didn't think Biden had any shot. You did not. Who was? And speaking of predictions, Kara the Swisher. But go ahead. You did you predict Biden? 
Yes, I did. You kept insulting him. You kept, first you were in love with Beto, then you were in love with Yang, and then you, whatever. You were kept being in love with all these man, man boys. I, was, I wasn't Yang, I was blown Whatever. Man boys, every one of them. Yeah. Anyway, so, and you were right. And you're, I remember you were informed by Lucky. Mm-hmm. Lucky was least offended by him, and you thought that's how we're going to win yeah. is someone who doesn't offend the Fox viewer. Anyway, um, I thought the biggest win, uh, I think going to the G7 and basically saying we're back. And that uh, we need to cooperate on things like climate, things like global taxation, and obviously more cooperation around the novel coronavirus. And I'm hoping this biggest win is still ahead of us. I think the biggest opportunity is to invade the shores of India and Brazil and other nations with vaccine uh, and reassert our generosity and power as a nation. Fail? What about a fail? I don't really have what I'd call... I, I don't. I, it's hard. It's difficult. I, this is going to come out as a bias. I can't look at any one action and think they really, they screwed up. I mean, they they, they have to make so many decisions every day. Mm-hmm. They're going to make mistakes. But I don't look at something and think, oh wow, they really blew it here. Which I was thinking every five days in the last administration. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's true. That's true. When I think is look, they just opened the White House gates again. Like they're gone. All that stuff. And I know it sounds. It's a visual. Mm-hmm. Like I, you could see them today. Like you're so used if you live in Washington mm-hmm. or spend a lot of time there to be able to walk up to the White House. And they the the the, the gates around the White House were just terrible. I don't know how else to put it. It just was like, what mm-hmm. has happened to us that we can't control ourselves enough not to do this? And so I like that sounds dumb, but opening those gates today, I was like, okay. I'm going to breathe for a second. I think that the ability to breathe and not think about who the president is for five minutes has been fantastic. I think the biggest fail, on the other hand, was is is and I realize I understand why they're doing this, uh, but the, the 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 reliance on bipartisanship, the non-jamming of the Republicans. These people have many of them, not all of them, have very much bad intentions. Would you end the filibuster? Yes, a hundred. Like you know what? These yeah. people aren't at operating. Every time you give them a chance to operate in good faith, they really don't. Like Joe Manchin, good luck with the ten senators. You didn't find them. You know, they just are. They're constantly pushing the envelope, whether it's with trans kids or anybody. Mm-hmm. They just anytime they can, like whether they're going to redistrict. There was just a story about Louisiana thinking of cracking cities in pieces so they could win. They will do anything to hold on to power as mm-hmm. as demographics change against them. Well, aren't they just smarter than us? Yes. Aren't they playing a better hand of poker with worse cards? Yes. Like I think we should play just like them. The pushback I would do there is that if you don't have some sort of bipartisan cooperation at some point, these solutions aren't durable. Obamacare was almost overturned mm-hmm. because it wasn't a bipartisan. I mean, there's very few. Look at all the shit we're overturning because it was very partisan from the Trump administration that if you don't have some level of cooperation from people who are considered moderates, and I grant you that it's very hard to find those anymore in the Republican Party. But if you can't find a few of them, that anything you pass is just not that durable. It gets overturned in four years or eight years. Fair, but they are under the thrall of Trump. And until we knock that out of them, and they will be cooperative when yep. you, I think in this case, you know, uh, speaks awfully big stick. I'm just on a Teddy Roosevelt stick. You know, you got to, mm-hmm. sla- they are in the thrall of Trump and they, you've got to like show why that is not going to help them in some way. And of course, you know, the, the election is so tight and it's, I just think cautiousness, especially when we're going into this next election, you know, the minute they get control of this, this, the House and the Senate, they'll mm-hmm. be insane as usual. You know, and the the tolerance of Marjorie Taylor Greene is just, you know, and I get the Elon Omar 
detractors on the same thing. It's not even close to the same thing. She's threatening to people there. The Democrats and liberals in particular are always played by the right, always, every time, every time. We suffer from both sideism. Right. We yeah. like to acknowledge. We always like to. We always like. We. I do think we as progressives always want to acknowledge the argument on the other side, even when we shouldn't. Yep, exactly. I get that. I get it. It's, it. They take advantage of our good. I don't have good nature. I think they're. I just would slap them hard and slap them continually until they stop, and make sure that mm-hmm. they didn't like get up again on on the on the the ones who are doing all this incredible damage and try to find, of course, the ones that are cooperative. But I think bipartisanship is overrated by this administration. Okay, earlier this year, we saw so many big tech hearings. First, we have Mark Zuckerberg, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Facebook. Sundar Pichai, Chief Executive Officer of Google. And Jack Dorsey, Chief Executive Officer of Twitter. Uh, We want to thank all three of you for joining us today. We look forward to your testimony. Who are the real winners and losers here? Mark Zuckerberg, the American people, perhaps? No. That's a no, hard no from Kara hmm. Swisher. Who do you hmm. think from these tech hearings? There was one good one, David Cicilline. Oh, yeah, you stole my thunder there. I thought individually Representative Cicilline threw the best hearing. I do think that actually that after a slow start with people not understanding technology, I think some of the hearings were really well handled. <laughs> uh, in terms of individuals, I think Tim Cook has done a genius job of disarticulating himself and his company yeah. from quote-unquote big tech, as has Sachin Adela and Microsoft. They've managed to remove themselves from a line of fire. In China. Uh, China, it's really interesting. China's looked at what happened here and has made China has the most interesting thing about Didi being banned is that China has assessed. Not just Didi, there's a bunch of them. 100%. But China has basically made, uh, uh, observed what has happened here and has said, big tech is too powerful and is bad for that society. We are not, we are, we are going to check their power mm-hmm. and ensure what has happened in the US does not happen here. Yeah. And regardless of whether you think it demonstrates an autocracy and that's not how business should be handled and it sends chills through the bones of anyone wanting to invest in a Chinese company, those are all valid concerns. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to think the Chinese are smart people. That government there is they are very smart. Yeah. And they look at us and they think, no, we're not going to let it get there. They believe it, we have been overrun and it's too late here. They believe, oh, no, you're done. You've been overrun. It's Josh Hawley and Amy Klobuchar on steroids. That's what it feels like. It's like, whoa. I, you know, you hear their concerns about privacy. Yeah, I think that's right. Location. Yeah. We, they're doing what we should do in a much more democratic way. They're just deciding it. And that's the Systemic, the legally supported way. Yeah, yeah, yes. It feels like, look, it's just like, we're the sons of bitches, not you. Like, it feels Chinese. Yes, it feels like we will be <laughs> yeah, abusing feels, being the surveillance. Feels like something economy. they would do in China. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not. I have no. I, I agree with the di- directionality, perhaps, but not the methods. This is just. This yeah. is is chilling to entrepreneurship. It is chilling to people who are going to start companies and investors no, no and everyone else. It's. No doubt. I get why they're doing it, but it's like we're the only assholes in town. Is not really the best way to go about regulating tech. Um, but what do you think? So Tim got out. Mark got slapped around a lot, right? But but still, the stock's at an all-time high. Who will, anyway? Yeah, I think Facebook's been hit pretty hard, although the stock, the stock price keeps going up. I think, uh, to be optimistic, this is who I think wins. Um, our tax base wins. Our national parks and our army and our navy and food stamps wins because through global, global cooperation and shining a light on these firms, we recognize they are not paying their fair share. Investors will win. We will do, there will be a breakup. It might be a year, it might be 10 years, but whenever you disarticulate these assets, it's accretive for shareholders because you find that when YouTube no longer cooperates with Google because they're separate companies, you have more competition and more shareholder value. 
Neva, the subscription search engine, will survive because Google now knows that they're being looked at. And if they just want to take billions of dollars and use their heft to force people not to work with other upstarts, you're going to see the next six months, we're going to see more startups, and we've said this, than in the history of the modern U.S. economy. And the reason why, the reason why is because small businesses are emboldened to actually compete and investors are emboldened to invest. Yeah, I would agree. In the greatest job creator I've in history. I've heard so many people companies. leaving bigger companies. So, I think it's also pandemically. And, you know, people are leaving their marriages. That's what's supposed to happen. Or they're getting happen. married or they're leaving their jobs or they just they just have to get out. They got to get out. Mm-hmm. In any case, I think I think, I think think it'll be slow going. I'm a, I'm a little bit more like, uh-huh, they're not going to get got for a very long time because this ain't China. And in fact, we're like the polar. We just literally mm-hmm. Don't. Mm-hmm. They have so much money, they have so much lobbying power, and they do actually have the power. So, as much as I like Lena Khan at the FTC, they're trying to block her. Tim Wu at the Biden administration's doing all the right things. I just don't think the mm-hmm. judges are going to allow it. So, mm-hmm. I am. I think these yeah, are nice hearings, right. but mm, I don't. I, I see it much slower, and I think very little is going to pass. And especially with some of the political partisanship around conservative bias, which is untrue, uh, I think that's a problem. All right, fourth. Scott, earlier this quarter, you called, we're moving these through these fast. You called cryptocurrency a mini revolution. It's a cryptocurrency you can trade for conventional money. Oh, so it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. <laughs> who's winning? Who's not? Mm-hmm. The shareholder class, corporations, China, Elon Musk, the environment. Please break it down. So I think uh, cryptocurrency, the meme stock movement, Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement are all have all very you know, righteous components of them and are movements that in and among themselves are justifiable. I think the incendiary belief beneath all of them that's powering or making, pouring fuel mm-hmm. on the flames, if you will, is income inequality. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, when stocks were allowed to fail, when the markets were allowed to drop to their natural levels, people of my generation got an opportunity to buy Apple at 12 bucks a share. It's now at 140. They had the opportunity to buy Amazon at 130 bucks, it's now at 3,400. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have decided that my generation, that a half a million or 600,000 Americans dying is bad, but what would be tragic is if we were to let the NASDAQ go down. So we borrow $6 trillion against a younger generation and an unborn generation credit card so we can prop up and artificially inflate assets, which has created a lack of opportunity for uh, a younger generation that wants their shot at buying things on sale. And the result of that is that they're inventing their own asset classes. And one of those asset classes that they're rallying around, and a lot of them have proof points to say, look, boss, you're, you know, you capitalize on incredible dislocation and volatility. We weren't given that opportunity, so we're going to create our own asset classes and our own volatility. The innovation there, it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's so much capital going into fintech and DeFi mm-hmm. that you're going to see a ton of interesting products and services um, I was sort of a skeptic. I think a lot of that was boomer and jealousy that I missed yeah. out on the run-up. But you're going to see a lot of big winners and big losers. I think a company like Coinbase is probably not going to hold its value. I think it's the but you're not buying the coin itself. But a lot you're of buying these, the companies around it, correct? That was what you said. You're not buying the actual coin. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the confidence to pick a coin. Mm. Everything just looks ridiculous to me. I don't understand it. I might the only investment I've made in the crypto space is in Ledger, which creates the which is the Nano, which is kind of the premier cold hardware storage yes, wallet. Fifteen percent of all crypto is stored on these mm-hmm. things. But it, uh, it, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for young people and also the big winners here. For the first time, there are as many people of color as a percentage in investor 
in the stock market and in these assets because of things like crypto and because of these online trading platforms. It has brought in a new generation of investors. Here's what I think. That is I think very exciting. corporations and government are going to wander in here and break it all up. It'll be it'll be much mm-hmm. more regulated in a year from now. This Well, they're doing it in China. They are, China. we got to move them in here. You're, so you're bearish on it. I am. I'm not bearish. I just am like, guess what's about to happen to these? You know, you know the, the people that were originally involved are all sort of, mm-hmm. some of them are con men, some of them are sketchy, some of them, they're all going to be replaced by mm-hmm. like, J.P. friggin' Morgan. You know what I mean? Just like they can't keep, the rich people can't keep their mitts out of this. And so, you know, you're going to see a lot more corporations come here and they're going to want everything, you know, they're going to gentrify this this neighborhood. I just think they are. That's what they're going to do, this this crazy neighborhood. And they already are doing it. And so I think that, that there, you know, what's happening in China, of course, another another crackdown by China on Bit, uh, Bitcoin because it is a threat to the yuan. Um, anyway, um, mm-hmm. that I think powerful people understand it's powerful and therefore we'll move on it. All right, last one. We've had so many conversations about goods and evils of social media this year, especially following the January 6th Capitol attack. Today, we will be holding a joint hearing entitled Disinformation Nation, Social Media's Role in Promoting Extremism and Misinformation. Mm -hmm. What wins and fails uh, can we call it here? I say my win over the, the parlor CEO was a good one, but go ahead, go ahead. I'm not sure I'd call that the global win for social media, but um, uh, anyways, look, I think that when two out of three people have joined extremist groups on Facebook, that group was suggested to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I think you have algorithms that continue to amplify divisiveness versus inclusiveness, and when components of uh, the insurrection, which in my opinion is just one of the most damaging, uh, one of the most terrible things that ever has ever happened in our country uh when you see social media kind of at the center of it i think that that things have hopefully we've hit peak bad social media mm-hmm. with people uh trying to hunt down the speaker of the house and the vice president mm-hmm. and i just don't think twitter nor uh facebook can just shrug it yeah. off i think uh, and i i, I like to think that the american public realizes that they played a role and also to be fair so do fox and I think to a lesser extent, because I think they're much more thoughtful, um, is CNN. And that is, do we need, does media need to figure out a way to not provide the fodder to polarize people online yeah. and to take these this divisiveness and then use technology and processing power to scale it? Well, I think I, I, we'll see. I think they're continuing to allow the big lie to go around. A lot of the Trump bullshit is still out there. I think, you know, they move on to whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's some stuff around AIDS drugs that are just terrible. Like, I don't know. I just feel like they just are hoping we don't, you know, we're lifting the rug up and, oh, God, it's ruined over here. Okay, the wins and fails then are what? You think it's, it can't get as bad. That's your that's your win is that it can't get any worse is essentially well, okay, your, no. your win, I, like, I, I think Facebook and Twitter, and I want to acknowledge I'm, I'm addicted to Twitter and I have a lot of self-awareness. I, I just got off with Sam Harris, who's one of my heroes, and he just reminded uh, me that you, you become where your attention is. I'm spending too much fucking time on Twitter, and as a result, I become more terse. I look for reasons mm-hmm. to dunk on people. I try to distill yes. thoughtful uh, arguments into snappy, quick ways to encapsulate them. I am much yeah. too concerned with other people's view of me. And it, mm-hmm. just, it just struck me that, Jesus Christ, this thing I'm addicted to, I don't think I'm addicted to anything as much as I talk about substances. I don't, yeah. I don't have an addictive personality. But Twitter and Facebook, specifically Facebook, 
have been, in my opinion, probably net negatives for society. The wins, you would have to argue. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think Snap and Pinterest, who I was not uh, optimistic about, have done a great job. I uh, think that oh, the creativity at Snap, I think Pinterest trying to take more of an editorial lead around, I don't, I don't necessarily, I thought that the decision they made this week was a bit ham-handed around some of the content they're going to remove around weight loss or diet ads. Mm -hmm. But anyways, my point is, I think it's hard to deny that both those companies haven't carved out really robust niches and great businesses. I think yep. they've done a great job. And also the biggest winner, the biggest winner globally in the internet what? is a social media platform called TikTok. Oh, well, which is affiliated with China. We'll see where that goes, actually. That'll be interesting. I think they're they're in a little more trouble yeah, now. Yeah, we'll interesting things. to see what happens there. Interesting. I would say you But that correct. algorithm, the TikTok I, algorithm? Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Go ahead. Very strong. I would say you're correct. Yeah. You are addicted to Twitter. You are addicted. <laughs> All right. We're going to go on a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do our self-evaluations by taking a look and how we've done with our predictions, what we got wrong, and more importantly, what we got right. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Okay, Scott, we're back. We make predictions every week. Sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we're right. Uh, let's start with what a manager might call mm -hmm. areas for improvement, as they say in HR speak. Those predictions we got wrong, or shall we say in some cases, they're not just not right yet. 
So in February, Scott said Twitter should and will buy CNN. Mm. What happened? It sold itself to Discovery. What what CNN did, essentially. What do you think? Well, the problem is they got halfway there, but the CEO wasn't there for the afternoon strategy session mm-hmm. um, uh, of Twitter. Twitter should absolutely buy CNN. Its stock has gone up. Um, they're moving to a subscription model. Uh, I think the stock has doubled in the last 12 mm-hmm. months. And they could have picked up CNN. I don't know. I think there'll still be an opportunity. Um, but I think that I think that would be you, if you had the most, in my opinion, the, the most the best journalism in what I'll call real time news, which I believe is CNN, coupled with the kind of the pulse or the heartbeat of breaking news anywhere. I think when news happens, people have a tendency to go to Twitter right away. I think it would be an outstanding, I think one plus one would equal three here. I, I don't, I think because of what you talked about, the fact that it's now part of, uh, let me be clear, them being part of this Discovery Plus thing mm-hmm. only means there's going to be a ton of hard to yet imagine divestitures and spinoffs because that thing yeah. right now I makes only slightly more sense than if, say, AT&T I had bought it. I think Jeff Zucker's <laughs> very happy to be at the top of this. It's not going nowhere. That's my, I'm going to push back on you, Scott. I think you're wrong. Twitter should maybe buy it, but it won't. Jeff does a fantastic job, but he whether there's going to be a lot of moving parts at this new discovery thing, specifically because of a single share class of stock, specifically because because uh, David Zasloff should enjoy his time in the sun because he's going to throw up, uh, and it's not his first quarter earnings, but his second as a public company, and a bunch of other people are going to come in. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll see. Well, see, I just think these guys manage to play golf and cuddle up quite a lot. And I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Anyway, um, we a cu- golf and a cuddle, cuddle up, a little cuddle, a cuddle. cuddle. <laughs> business cuddle, a buttle. Golf. That's just so you know, that's what all us white guys do. We play golf and then a we cuddle. cuddle. That's, right. that's what cuddle. We, you got us figured a out. Cuddle you got us figured out. And then we burn dollar bills to light our cigars. Read some of the coverage of the deal. It feels so cuddly and r- romantic even. Oh, it was so it fucking was obnoxious. So with the Steve Ooh. McQueen poster. You don't want to sit there. Like, of course, oh, I got to call Christ. from on people. They're like, come and visit. I'm like, I'm not cuddling. It's not happening. Anyway. Um, come, come, and visit. Visit. come have a steak. I'll have a steak with them. Okay. We made a few predictions next uh, about Apple. Scott predicted Apple would mm-hmm. launch its own search engine. Mm-hmm. New. No. Its own social network. Mm-hmm. New. No. And it might acquire Peloton. Mm-hmm. New. No. So why isn't Tim listening to us? Tim Cook. Oh, I see where we're going with Just this. You make more predictions. I see the point of the show. We see them. I'm coming next, but go ahead. Okay. Go, go ahead. ahead. Tell me why. Why isn't Scott listen? Why isn't Tim listening to you, Scott, if at all? Yeah, I don't know. He has a habit of adding a lot of shareholder value. Um, look, uh, I think they are going uh, absolutely going vertical. Where they, where the, I still think if Peloton comes down in price, they'll acquire yeah, them. I but where they're that. going is with another connected device, what? and that is the next connected device from Apple will be the car. The car. You're right. Uh, the auto industry, it's really industry has transitioned from a low margin manufacturing business to a higher margin software business that used to be worth $100 billion globally that's now worth $700 billion because of Tesla. And I think that Apple looks at, looks at Tesla and says, sorry, guys, here we come. Your lunch has just gotten too big. We're going to take some of that. And uh, so I do think that Apple uh, is going to make some – is going to increasingly go vertical into your home, into your car, uh, in search. I think I was – uh, wrong 100% on the social thing. I think they look at social and think, Jesus Christ, we want no part of that. And it's an ad model and they couldn't charge. I don't think they could charge. They're all about apps and payment and premium. And I don't think they could charge for a social media network. So that one was a big fail and a big miss. Mm-hmm. 
I still think Peloton yeah, I agree with you. Um, ends up in the hands of a platform who can who can better monetize its uh, incredible attention Apple. and its rabid customer base of some of the most influential people in the world. Your thoughts? I agree with you on Peloton. I think it will not do a search. Or what a search engine will change. This way, you know, Amazon does a search engine and sorts. You're searching on it. So I don't. I think it will. Peloton and things like that. I think cars. You're right. I think uh, eyes and visuals. Yes, those are the things. It's going to be coupled with devices. That's what they're going to do. Health, healthcare, especially. Mm-hmm. All right. In February, I predicted Ted Cruz would lose re-election in the midst of the Texas power grid failure controversy. Um, he has not. He has not been up for re-election yet. But I feel like he's going to eventually lose re-election. I, I stand by that. I stand by that. The end of June, Aircot well, stated. Well, not so much a prediction. I mean, eventually everything. <laughs> no, no, no. Ends. There's some people running against him. I think he's a little. He's mm-hmm. only. He's a, he's such a putz. And so um, it's twenty six. You know, he just. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really clear to me that he is the most vulnerable Republican. That's what I say. I think nobody likes him. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, I disagree. I think Texas has proven itself to be batshit crazy. Uh, if they vote for Ted Cruz over Beto, political predictions, yeah, the most vulnerable senator in America right now is someone who's consistently kind of cut on run on big issues and is the most coin-operated senator in the United States, and that's Marco Rubio. All right. Last one. In early May, both of us predicted that the Facebook oversight board would let Trump back on the platform. Mm. Early June, Facebook announced the former president is suspended for two years and can't return until, quote, the risk to public safety is receded. I've never been happier to be wrong. That was a surprise to me. I'm glad yeah. they threw it right back in their Good. face, and I'm glad Facebook did the right thing. Great. Okay, we were wrong. We're glad to be. We, yeah. we have low expectations for these people, so... The fact that I thought I think they did it only because that yeah. oversight board was better than they are than the actual managers, and they had they pushed him right into a corner. That's what I think, which was good. It was a good corner to be pushed in. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. them. The UN yeah. board. You know what they did? They they showed a set. Who uses this portal you know and DM? They showed a set. They got it to happen, and that's what it was a good decision. And we'll see what happened. Of course, they couldn't quite do suspended for good the way Twitter did, but I'll take it. I'll take it in the win column. It's better not to, to, to watch his crazy press releases go out. And of course, Gur or whatever. What is this? What is this? Getter. That's right. Getter. That's not happening. It got hacked apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, God, Donald Trump. So, I'm sorry to laugh. That makes you happy. I'm like, oh, come on, stop it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the predictions we got completely right. On January 15th, Scott predicted, quote, mm-hmm. consumer stocks and the consumer economy is going to roar for the next 12 to 24 months, adding colorfully. People are going to go apeshit with their spending and their consumer discretionary stocks are absolutely going to rip. And it did. That same day, Kara predicted Lady Gaga would be, quote, off the charts of the inauguration. And she was. So... Good for us. Better for you. Mm. Good for us. Like predicting Lady Gaga is going to be good is not a really hard one. But I did predict Elon Musk was going to be good on SNL, and he was. And you did not. You did not trust me on that one. You got me there. So, you got me so there. But, but the consumer stocks, yeah. where are they going now? People are, are worried. They're worried. So you had a uh, trillion dollars pumped into literally into consumers' yeah. bank accounts uh, through the CARES Act. And, uh, and then you had an additional half a trillion dollars in savings because people weren't going to the Olive Garden or going to Disney World. So you have a trillion and a half dollars. You have individuals with not only with, with money, but also uh, pent up demand for consumer products. And and you have a supply chain that was cons- that's been constricted, giving them all kinds of pricing power. It's sort of the perfect storm of good things mm-hmm. for the consumer companies that were one, able had the balance sheets to survive and also had the foresight to start investing in technology. Mm-hmm. When you see how companies have reshaped 
um, you know, Panera, a company I'm involved in, now gets more than 50% of its food uh, starts digitally, yep. whether it's pickup, love that Panera. whether it's delivery. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing how some of these consumer companies have uh, reconfigured their supply chains. Yep. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. A lot of them cut costs by 10 to 20%. And then when the economy and consumer spending came back, their EBITDA just ripped. Good picking, good analysis. Or another one on May 7th, Scott uh, said he was going to buy some Dogecoin before Elon Musk appeared on SNL and sell by the time Weekend Update aired, which he did. People actually began selling it off the beginning of the show. And then there was a brief rally during Weekend Update when Musk joked, yeah, it's a hustle. It dropped again, uh, uh, falling to 0.47 the next day. Uh, well, that was good. Good job, Scott. Thank you. You knew that was going to happen. You did a good job. And then you're not in any of the coin now, correct? Don't own any of it. Don't, gonna don't buy understand it. Think about it. Understand it better than ninety nine percent of the public and don't understand okay. it. Do you understand it? Do you own any coins? Oh yeah, you own coins and we can't find them. I don't. I do. We can't find them. I will find them along. You know, I also have a bag of uh, marijuana somewhere from twenty years ago and ten or maybe a hundred Bitcoin. I don't know. All right. One prediction we made a few times is that TikTok hmm. would get further into e commerce. In May, they started testing in-app shopping in Europe. Well, that was an easy one, right? That was pretty easy. What do you think about that? Look, the the uh, the most the biggest uh, I would argue the business technological winner of the last twelve months has been the algorithm of TikTok mm -hmm. and its ability to take signal liquidity and entertainment and let creators disperse their creativity directly to the end consumer with this fantastic vibe and creativity, and then the algorithm's ability to not take the two data points or the two. Uh, the liquidity of two data points that Netflix gets. Did you watch it all the way through? Which did you select? Mm -hmm. But take hundreds. Do you comment? How fast do you watch it? You know, where do you go after it? And the fact that these things are only 15 or 30 seconds gives them the ability, This or, and they take advantage of it with what I think is one of the most remarkable algorithms we've ever encountered and calibrate on things that you didn't even know you liked and you do. Uh, so I think, and, and then if they're able to collapse that with an ability to start calibrating in on the things you want mm -hmm. and then serve you a 30-second ad featuring that product, sort of similar to what Facebook, and I think Facebook does an amazing job with their ads, quite frankly, on Instagram. Yeah, they do. Almost every ad I see on Instagram, I'm like, that's relevant. Yeah. I want a vacation there. I want to buy that shoe. Yeah. That Take that to video. That's what TikTok has the ability to do. Yeah, we'll see where that's going. Could be interesting. Let me just say, I agree with you. You know, I just was eating peaches because my mother-in-law bought them after seeing an ad on Instagram. They were they were peaches that direct to consumer peaches. They're delicious. I'm just saying that's what prompted her. She hmm. says, I never lose Instagram, but then I saw this ad. I just had to buy them and they're and they're delicious. Let me just say. Yeah. Anyway, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back with our friends of Pivot and their predictions for Q3 and beyond, as well as some of our own. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we are back with the prediction segment of our quarterly review, looking into Q3 and beyond with our friends at Pivot. Let's start with the labor shortage from mm-hmm. Congressman Ro Khanna. Hi, Karen Scott. Ro Khanna here. My prediction is that next quarter we will see a decline in the labor shortage. Many women are going to return to the workplace. As you know, the primary cause of this labor shortage is women who had to leave the workplace because child rearing disproportionately fell on them. And this is why we need childcare policy. Two million women uh, who had childcare responsibilities had to leave uh, with kids out of school. Uh, if we can get childcare in place in this infrastructure bill, uh, we will see the return to quicker. Uh, We also need policies that will help integrate women back into the workplace, particularly young mothers who left. Uh, That should be the focus of our policy. But some of it will happen uh, on its own uh, as schools are opening, as camps are opening, uh, as we are seeing uh, the pandemic uh, hopefully winding down. I like that row, Kana, don't you? Row. I like that row. He's a good guy. I'm just reading his new book. It's coming out in February. Listen, I think he's right. At the same time, really? I don't think the child care policy is going to pass. What do you think? You don't think it's going to pass? You don't think it's being it's be included in the yeah. infrastructure bill? No. Hmm. Well, that, again, that's nothing but but a refusal to invest in the middle class where, I mean, and it's also becoming an existential I- I- issue for us, and that is women are having fewer kids because they've basically decided it's a fucking awful deal for mm-hmm. them. And... <laughs> If we don't make more long-term decisions that propagating the species is important, and one of the ways you do that in capitalist society is ensuring that women have um, guarantees of, of their job when they come back, providing childcare, regardless of the morality of it, you're going to see our economy start. I mean, look what's happening in Japan and Italy, where women have figured out having kids is a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to do it for the long-term economic health. The thing I'm most frightened of— I mean, I think there's actually some wonderful things about this labor shortage. It's like for the first time in 30 years, there's always a tension between capital and labor. For the first time, labor, I don't even say this has the upper hand, but has a hand here. Yeah, small hand. It finally has some bargaining power. Yeah. It finally has some agency, like can ask for 12 bucks an hour instead of 10 Kinda bucks like an it, hour. Don't you? So I hope it goes on for a while. Yeah. Me too. What's that? Yeah, I agree. I think they, they they have their upper hand for now. For now, they do. And as soon as people return to the workplace, they will not. But there has to be something in place that isn't unions. That's something else. What is the next version of worker power that is consolidated? That's really what's interesting. It's it's very easy to break workers apart. It really is by that's companies. Right. And this is a moment where they need the workers more and they have to provide more. You know, someone... I was talking to someone in a store. They're like, oh, we're having a hard time. I'm like, why don't you give them more stuff? And someone else next to me is like, yeah, why don't you give them more stuff? Like, it was like, you know, it was sort of like, oh, they had never even occurred to them that they could be better employers. Um, so it's interesting. We'll see what happens. And of course, there are small businesses who really do suffer if they have too many costs. But them's the breaks right now. And I think that workers do have power. In our economy, we generally bucket um, stakeholders into three different buckets. The first is consumers. The second is investors slash shareholders, and the third is workers. 
And we have decided that consumers are, are the king, that um, shareholders are the prince, and workers are the pauper. Yep. And we make purposeful decisions. When we cut unemployment benefits to try and help businesses gain the upper hand to get people back to work because they will literally have to live in their car unless they take that job for 10 bucks an hour, we are prioritizing shareholders over workers. And shareholders have seen, their, have seen the NASDAQ quintuple in the last 13 Agreed. years while workers have seen minimum wage go from 725 to 725. The best union we have in the world right now, and I'm not a fan of universal basic income, but the most wonderful thing about this, this CARES Act is it's finally given workers, frontline workers, some leverage yeah. that they haven't had Agreed. in 30 Agreed. years. They can say, well, you know what? It's not a choice between this shitty job and starving. Away from this situation, we need a child care policy, period. I can't. It's so embarrassing that, that we yeah, do not right. have one. It right. is just... I just, the other country, we're we're an embarrassment. And that's really, you know, that's the lowest rung on the totem pole. And that's really, it's so, it's so, it's so ass backwards as, as my, one of my relatives would say. It's ass backwards. Anyway, next up, Agreed. a prediction from Lightshed Partners, Rich Greenfield on the future of streaming. One of the things we talked about a lot. In terms of predictions, I think the one everyone should be focused on is Disney buying out Comcast from their Hulu stake early. It's becoming more and more apparent that Disney needs to have one sort of full offering for direct-to-consumer, not Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu, all as separate entities. I think they're going to buy Hulu out early. There's already an arbitration battle that's been going on between the two companies. I think it ends soon. Disney buys out Comcast at a pretty significant valuation, but then collapses the services into one unified streaming offering. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm agree. So not that Comcast, I'm petty. Comcast should also have bought it. FYI, FYI. What, are you gonna say Peacock again? Go ahead. Well, that's the thing here. Yeah. It, it might be man bites dog here. It might be Com Comcast biting out, buying out Disney because Disney, um, Disney stock is up, but Comcast has to do something. Yeah. Com Comcast needs a bold move yeah. here. So I wouldn't, I think Rich might, it might be the other side of Rich's yeah. coin here. And not that I'm petty, but Rich slapped me down on Twitter when I said before Quibi launched that it was going to be DOA. Mm -hmm. And he said uh, Quibi will be a success and that he had seen Quibi content. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> You're throwing Quibi in his Comcast, face. <laughs> the interesting player here to watch is Comcast. Hulu, he's right though. Hulu will not be an independent property for more than 24 months. Yeah, great. Agreed. I agree. I think I think Comcast got to get it. There's rumors, you know, that Paramount, you know, Sherry Redstone is prepping the thing for sale and that now she's got to be a seller versus a buyer. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the stock was up and now it's down again or whatever. In any case, um, there was a lot of talk on, on several smart uh, newsletters I read about that, about what would Comcast move in here? Then it, it can't really own CBS and NBC. So you'd have to diversify here. Any, get rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so they have to make a move. Comcast has to make a move. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe it will be bought. Discovery Warner when it when it goes through that period of fallowness as that you have been predicting. But I agree. Someone's got to make a move here. They've all got to make the big moves because they're not big enough. They need to be bigger. Uh, any other predictions on streaming? I think he's right. I think that's, I think you're right, Scott. I think you've, you've taken his prediction and made a better one. Yeah, I think Rich has got something going on. Look, the, the biggest thing in streaming is going to be these guys go um, vertical with different types of offerings. I think the most interesting thing is going to be Disney Plus when it starts incorporating off Offline offerings. I think they're going to expand it to special access to parks, cruises, vacations, and I think it's going. I think 
if you will, o OTT. OTT and video games are the only media that's streaming, mm -hmm. and they're going to verticalize into other yep. entertainment. Um, if AMC hadn't skyrocketed and become, became memes, way yeah. too expensive, one of those guys would have picked it up yeah. and gone vertical into theater, theaters yeah. and turned AMC theaters into like Disney experiences. It's still, it's still, it's still, uh, you know, even though F9 and some others like A Quiet Place 2 have done really well at the box office, it's still, no matter what, those things are going to get pulled into all of this. Everything's about streaming and being bigger in, in the experience, whether it's the experiential of the theater or offering these movies, it's going to be all wherever the consumer wants, wherever they want it. And that's where it's going. And whatever Hollywood says, it's not going back to the old days of, although uh, Quentin Tarantino apparently bought a movie theater, the Vista in, in Los Feliz, so Los Angeles, but that's just romantic quaintery. So we'll see. Anyway. That's like a rich yeah. Republican yeah. buying a football exactly. team. Exactly. Um, I'd like it. And he only is going to have it on film. The biggest and boldest move yeah. in streaming over the next 12 months will have one word, Comcast. Okay. They've got a quarter of a trillion dollar market cap, yes. very smart, very aggressive. And they've got 10 million, 10 million subscribers right now. And supposedly that's inflated when you look at how many people are actually doing it. And there's no way they're going to admit defeat. That Brian Roberts is very smart on the deals, although Peacock, as very we make smart. fun of it, is yeah. deserves to be made fun of. Anyway, let's go to a friend of Pivot, MSNBC, Stephanie Rule, for a prediction on infrastructure. Hey there, Kara and Scott. It's Stephanie Rule here talking infrastructure. To me, infrastructure, it's like getting a dog in a bathtub. You never get all four of those legs in the tub, no matter how much that stinky dog needs it. And uh, I'm sad to say, I'm not sure anything is going to happen. I think from the president's perspective, he absolutely wants a bipartisan deal done. I think it would have taken something that was less than a trillion dollars. Now it's bigger than that. And if he were to sign something, it would be a huge win, right? But there is absolutely no chance that Republicans are going to stand with Biden in doing this partial hard infrastructure deal that's then linked to the soft infrastructure deal. Why would they do that? That's like the greatest, most giant, enormous win for Democrats. And the other thing they're leaving out with this, we'll just go at it alone. You can't just go at it alone without the Senate parliamentarian weighing in on this. Remember in the American Rescue Plan, when Democrats wanted to push raising minimum wage in there, it was the parliamentarian who said, mm, permanent minimum wage has nothing to do with temporary COVID rescue. We're not going to do that. So they don't know what this nonpartisan parliamentarian is going to say. And separately, my last point, this whole argument that it's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are the only ones standing in the way, they're not. There are a whole lot of centrist Democrats who represent blue-ish or swing states, states like New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, who are also not going to sign on to just the, the infrastructure package that, that Democrats would do going at it on their own. Back to, will they get something done on infrastructure? Unclear. But the current standoff doesn't feel good. Um, and by the way, Republicans would love to see this happen. They would love to say, we agreed on a deal on a bipartisan basis, and Democrats asked for too much. They're the ones who don't want bipartisanship. So, yes, it's this ultimate game of politics right now. I leave it to those in D.C. to figure this all out. But, of course, they're going to go home because nobody has a better uh, schedule than Congress does. And we'll see what happens. But right now, I'd say infrastructure deal, it's a dog in a bathtub. See you, Kara and Scott. All right, Stephanie, dog in a bathtub. 
I'm going to let that metaphor stand, although it's... What is she, Warren Buffett? What's going on with her? I thought I was the only one that ate edibles around here. Dog in a bathtub? What's going on? Stephanie, you're wrong. The infrastructure bill will pass. I think it will pass. It's like a dog in a bathtub. It will pass. This one will pass. I think they're not... Okay. Politics is politics, but this is good politics, and I think it'll pass. I think, you know, it'll be a watered-down version. It'll be things you don't like, and I agree. Um... Uh, you know, I, I think it, I think it'll pass. What do you think? I think she's wrong. I, dog, not you. You can wash the friggin' dog eventually. Put him in the shower, Stephanie. Just so you know, I'll come over and wash your dogs for you if you'd like. Thank you. We we shower our dogs every yeah. day. One loves it, one yeah. hates it. Um, little information Thank on you. me. Uh, so look, I think it passes, and I think the reason it passes, or one of them puts it over the goal line, is the disaster in Florida. Mm-hmm. I think it, it it was a very stark and ugly reminder that um, America isn't a country. America can't claim to be the wealthiest country in the world. America can't be a beacon of hope, a beacon of progress and prosperity if our our buildings pancake. Yeah. Uh, it's just so. I think that I think that there this is. And Biden was smart to go after this issue first as kind yeah. of, a, uh, you know, a temple for his legislative agenda, because I do think there are a lot of Republicans that have bridges that are falling apart in their yeah. districts. I think everyone agrees. And infrastructure, infrastructure is wonderful. The jobs it creates are usually great middle class jobs. Good for the economy. Yeah, it's good for the economy. It makes us feel good about ourselves. It sends the right signal to people. Good for jobs. Good economy. You see, did you see all those Republican governors signaling to get vaccinations because they're, they're so low in those Republican states, those heavily Republicans? They're all the very conservative yeah. Republicans like to get a vaccination because, you know, 99 percent of the people dying from COVID right now don't have vaccinations. 99. Uh, guess who? Guess what they didn't do? Get a vaccination. Yeah. Well, they didn't get vaccinated. They, they know, people know. Get economy. It'll help yeah. the economy for FFFFS or whatever you say, for fuck's sake. Anyway, all right, last prediction. We, we don't agree with you, Stephanie, or your dog and your dog, your dirty dog. Anyway, Preet on antitrust. It's like a dog in a bathtub. Let's go. Preet is Preet. We invited Preet because I know how much he Regard Preet. Oh, of course we did. Let's bring in Preet. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Preet, let okay. it roar. There we go. Hi, Kara and Scott. Over the next six months to a year in antitrust developments, we might see renewed antitrust action against Facebook and other large tech companies by new and aggressive Federal Trade Commission chair, Lena Khan. On the legislative side, keep track of a package of six antitrust bills that are being pushed by a bipartisan group of legislators led by Senator Amy Klobuchar. Lastly, President Biden is expected to sign an executive order that will target corporate consolidation in the tech industry. All right. Well, you know, not so much of a limb there, Preet. But yes, yes, I think Lena Khan will come back with a hard charge in a uh, new uh, suit with a lot of proof and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, th- these bills are going through. We'll see if they'll pass. I don't have as much confidence in that. And uh, we'll see about executive orders. Scott, what do you think of Preet's prediction? Uh, let me just break it down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say absolutely nothing, but I am sexy and articulate, and I could put your ass in prison someday. He just read the newspaper from three months ago. What What was that? That's so it. jealous of Preet Bharara. That's it. It's sad. Preet, I thought it was pretty he good. He literally no, just you know, said, it's, it's like we Stop. said, we, we want you to him, say nothing. Don't be mean to your colleagues. He I'm calling nothing. HR immediately. Like immediately. Um, anyways. Preet's going to kick your ass. <laughs> You're right. How obvious is my jealousy? It is so obvious. How obvious is my jealousy? Anyway, now, Scott, oh it's our turn. What is your big prediction for the next quarter and beyond? Uh, okay. Oh, I have a bu- I was writing a bunch down, uh, you know, 
something that keeps it authentic okay. here is I don't really prepare. But anyways, the some of my predictions, okay, uh, I don't know who will be the first $2 trillion company, but the first $3 trillion would be Amazon. I think in the last half of the year, the thing about the markets that just amazes me is that it has an, in, an incredible ability to see around the corner and ask itself over and over what's next. And I think that in the latter half of this year, despite an increase in GDP, despite incredible new business formation, I think you're going to see the private markets do well. I think the public markets are going to incur incredible um, volatility, and we're going to see uh, some of the most um, uh, step change downs in the market. I think we're going to have some of those volatile days in the market in the next six months as the market begins to go, okay, $6 trillion in debt, okay. a reshaped economy. Um, what happens? What happened at the end of '99? If you look at if you look at almost every single financial metric mm-hmm. on a bar chart uh, that's where the x-axis is time, it's at uh, historic levels except for 1999 and 2007. I mean, it literally looks as if history is beginning to you know rhyme, mm-hmm. and we don't like the next verse. I think the last half of the year we're going to see incredible volatility mm-hmm. in the markets. We talked about Comcast. And Disney is um, going to introduce what I think is the most uh, exciting uh, recurring revenue bundle in the consumer world. I think it's. I think every family is going to have to own it, and it's going to it's going to take OTT to offline online, which I think will be uh, super interesting. I like that. That's good. That's good. That's. I like that prediction. I don't really have one except I'm going to make Preet's forum. I think uh, Alan Weisselberg is going to flip. I'm just making that up. I don't know if it's true. You think it's going to flip on Trump? I don't think it's going to mm. matter, but I think he's going to flip on Trump. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, that's fodder for a different show, but I look at that and I'm like, I don't. I've read a lot of people. They're like, this isn't good. He's going to jail for a little, little while. And I don't think he wants to go to jail for a little while. I don't think it's worth it. He's an old man. So that's what I think. Alan, yeah. the Weisselberg yeah. guy. I think he's a comfy old man. He's not yeah. going to, even a nice prison, he's not going to. That's what I think. So I'm just making that up. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. Mm. I just read a lot of lawyers like Preet Bara. Anyway, okay, that is the show, Scott. This is our only okay. show this week, but we have lots to talk By about. By the way, Chuck, we're going to find Chuck out in Todd. the next what? six months. Chuck Todd from Miami is not Chuck Todd from Miami. His name is Alistair. He's from Delaware. He's married to a woman who has a <laughs> master's in library science. He has, and he breeds Labradoodles. That whole charade, oh, that shit God. is over. I know we who you are, Chuck Dog. And also my other big production is Anderson Cooper and I get closer and no. closer. Our friendship no. continues to blossom. You have yet blossom. to produce Anderson Cooper. To None me. of that is None true. Of it is true. None of that is true. Anyway, Scott, that's the show. Don't forget, if there's a story in the news you're curious about and want to hear our uh, opinion on, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit a question for the show. Scott, read us out. Today's show is produced by Camila Salazar and Ernie Entertod engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. 
Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.